Hello, and welcome to the Reconstruction.us podcast, the place where people from all walks of life discuss what we can all do to transform America into a more equitable nation and ourselves in the process. My name is Kimberly Miller, and I am the host of this podcast, as well as the website reconstruction.us, where you'll find stories and essays by myself and others who are deeply concerned about the state of our nation and are committed to making real change. Today, we are turning our attention once again to a more personal side of transformation, taking care of our health and our planet. As you may be aware, the coronavirus pandemic has brought the meat industry into focus in recent months when people working in meatpacking plants were forced to continue working even as their co-workers were falling sick from the virus. This has highlighted the very difficult conditions under which people have to work in the plants. And it got me thinking about meat production and consumption in our country and its consequences. Today's guest is an expert on this subject. Gwenna Hunter is a leader in the animal rights movement and promotes a vegan diet through her organization, Vegan Outreach. I've asked her to join us today to share more about her work and how she views the issue of the animal meat industry, as well as how we can eat more healthfully by not eating meat at all. Welcome, vegan. I'm a a vegan. (laughs) Welcome, (laughs) Gwenna. Well, listen, I really, really appreciate you joining us. And um, I know that there are going to be people who listen to this podcast whose first question is, what is a vegan? Can you tell me what made you choose to become one and what that really means? Oh, um, I actually had no intention on ever becoming a vegan. I thought vegans were very extreme and uh, a little crazy. So um, it's weird to me to this moment that I'm here. (laughs) So what ended up happening for me was um, a friend reached out to do something called the Daniel's Fast, which is like a a basic vegan diet from the Bible, but it's usually done to kind of heighten your sense of awareness, help you manifest and just be a better person. And so I thought I would go ahead and do it. And at the end of that challenge, I felt amazing. I dropped some pounds. I used to have extremely severe menstrual cycles. And the next time that my cycle arrived, it was painless. It was short. I was pleasant. Um, It was just a totally different experience because my cycles controlled my life and my schedule. So I, I... plan my entire life around it. So that's how severe they were. So I thought, wow, it must be the meat. So I decided to kind of be like on the vegetarian pescatarian spectrum from that point on, um, not really understanding anything about animals being conscious, their rights, their suffering, still completely clueless. And fast forward just a few years later, I ended up having a dream about a cow And in the dream, me and the cow merged together and we became one. And I felt all of the cow's consciousness, the thoughts, the feelings, emotions, like I was the cow. And when I awakened from the dream, I I had this new understanding. I'm like, oh my God, cows are conscious and they feel and they love. And I'm like, they love and we eat them? And even though I wasn't consuming 
cows, like, you know, as far as the flesh is concerned, it wasn't a big deal to me if anyone else did. And uh-huh. so it just, it blew my mind. So I started thinking, I'm like, well, maybe if cows are like this, so are chickens, so are pigs, maybe they're all conscious. And it was like, I was waking up in the middle of a horror movie. I'm like, we're eating their bodies and they have awareness. And not long after, maybe a few, a couple of weeks later, I ended up coming across the video, Dairy is Effing Scary by Aaron Janice. It's like a little five minute video that shows you what, you know, a day in a life of a cow. And What's it shows their emotions. Again? Dairy is effing scary. Okay. Yeah. Five minute video. It's an easy watch, but a difficult watch. She does it in a way that's very sarcastic. So it's easy for someone that's a non-vegan to kind of follow along. But she's showing you all the truth of, of, of how we you know, what we do to their udders, what we do to their bodies and how she mourns and and looks for her, her son when we take him away for veal. And that five minutes, I was crying at the end of it. And I said, I will never touch dairy. Like I went vegan, like right then and there, because I'm like, not only are they conscious, because I thought dairy and cheese was okay. I'm like, okay, we just milk them and they say moo and it doesn't hurt them. Like, what's the big deal? That was the programming that I was still running in in my head. And so when I saw the video and I saw how it really happens, I connected to her suffering. It looked like slavery. It looked like rape, kidnapping. It looked like murder. It looked like all of those things. And as a woman, I was like, I can't condone this. So it was like, it really touched into my the feminine aspect of myself. So yeah, I went vegan right away after watching that. And, um, and then I just, you know, continued to this day to still evolve and keep learning of all the crazy things that we do in this world where we use body parts of animals that are just so completely unnecessary. Well, Gwenna, you've completely blown my mind. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I I definitely have always thought of any kinds of issues in terms of like industrial production of meat to be a problem more in literally the meat itself. I too yeah. had not really thought about the milk products and the way yeah. that they're uh, produced today um, yes. as being that traumatic. So Wow, that's really mind-blowing. And I'm really touched to hear that this dream you had was what had such a profound effect on you. It yeah. almost sounds like you kind of were picked by the spirit, so to speak. I'm telling you, you have no I'm not even going to go deep on this show on that, but you have no idea. There were other things that happened to me prior to this. So I know I was like, there was something divine going on. Even after the dream ended, like I woke up crying and I was just like, oh my God, they're conscious. And I'm just like, what did I just experience? And I literally physically felt a warm sensation over my heart. And when I touched it, I felt complete, absolute peace. And it, it was, and it was warm and it was love. And I felt like the cow gave me a little bit of piece of her heart to let me know like what I experienced was real and yeah. not just 
you know, my consciousness at work or something like that. I mean, that could be true too, but there was a physical manifestation that still happened after the dream to let me know this is real. Mm-hmm. So I know that I'm chosen for this work. Cause like I told you, you could have never told me <laughs> I would be an animal rights activist. Are you kidding? Like that is the last. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't grow up thinking when I grow no. up, I want to. Ah. <laughs> no. I didn't even like no. animals. I didn't even care for animals. Like to wow. me, I was just like, you know, like most people, I had this ignorant thought that they were just like, you know, bodies on feet that were here for us. I didn't even think that an animal could think, let alone care and love. But then once I had those experiences, I'm like, it completely made sense. Of course they do. They give birth. They have sex. They have, they give birth through their bodies like we do. They lick their young and clean their bodies and they stay close. Of course they love their children, but it was, it, it, to this day, it still was like, wow, how come I wish I would have, you know, like, a, like Genesis, like she was asking questions at four years old, you know, asking her mother, Hey, where does this come from? What, what's going on here? Why is that happening? Like, I didn't ask those questions. And even if I did, my mother would have been like, you eating it anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So would mine. <laughs> we were members of the clean plate club. Oh, yeah. oh you did not get up. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> That's yes, right. I was a member of that club. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. There wasn't any money to waste that food with. So right. now, tell me um, a little bit more, if you could, about what it means to be a vegan. I, I've known a good number of people that were vegan mm-hmm. over the last probably maybe 30 years, 20, 30 years. And I don't know that I still fully get it. Okay. If I'm honest about it, what that yeah. really means. Yeah. So for me, it continues to evolve, but I'll start with the very basic definition that is pretty, um, that we all agree on, all vegans can agree on. So the basic definition of a vegan is an individual, and this is vegan, not plant-based, not to be confused with being plant-based, but a vegan is someone who abstains from any products that are made from from an animal i don't care if it's the feather if it's the teeth if it's the skin if it's the flesh anything that comes from an animal we abstain from it because that has caused some form of suffering and to take and so we don't eat we don't wear we don't put in our hair we don't brush our teeth with it we don't wash our face with it if there's gelatin made from a pig that's in, you know, in jello, we don't consume it. If it's in a hand wash, we don't use it. Um, so we completely abstain from it in all forms because we abstain from oppression of animals. So that's like if someone were to use a product that was made from slave labor and you knew that these three-year-old kids were making, even though this does happen, um, were making these parts for some type of instrument. You you wouldn't want to use that because you're like, oh, wow, this is causing suffering. I don't want to use this product. Yeah, like like, uh, blood diamonds. Exactly. Exactly. Which a lot of us are still, we have a blind eye to some of those things when it comes to like human oppression. 
That's mm-hmm. a whole other conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, but with animals, vegans are very, very strict on that. And I know for me, like, I don't even want to participate in anything that is called, like, I'm leveling up my oppression to not just be about animals. But if you're a vegan and you want this to be a better planet, because a lot of times what vegans would say when I first got involved in the movement, like four years ago, yeah. is that, hey, if you go vegan, we'll have the, the planet will all of a sudden be amazing. And if everybody went vegan, there'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more this. It'll be a great world. That is a lie. That is not true. Because in the vegan movement, you can have some of the most strict, amazing <laughs> vegans that are racist that have all types of phobias and isms and all types of things going on. So it is a huge leap in evolution to go vegan, but it is not uh, the cure for all the woes of the world. There's still work to be done. If you're vegan, you still got to, you're not done. (laughs) Right. I'm very happy to hear you say that. I think Mm -hmm. you might be the first I'm not sure this is true, but you might be the first black woman I've ever met who was vegan. I oh, wow. Okay. I, okay. I think that um, over the years, I, and I've known a good number, they were usually white, young, younger white people, actually, except that way back in like 1979, when I first went off to college, I had a music teacher who practiced exactly what you're talking about. Like he was the first guy I ever met. This was in Vermont and he was at this, you know, hippie college in the woods so he could get away with it. But um, (laughs) he literally used a rope as a belt and only wore sneakers because he didn't use any leather. You know, like he was that kind of no animal products of any type. Yeah. But I think your point's a good one because, you know, let's be honest, we all are looking for solutions. And when you find something that feels right, it's very hard not to get on a soapbox about it and to try to tell everybody else, you got to do exactly what I'm doing. Yes. Because I'm the most (laughs) right person in the world, (laughs) especially when you're in your 20s. That's what I did anyway. I was definitely, there was a point at which me and two other women were the only right people in the world. (laughs) Um, But just getting back to what you're saying about, you know, the different um, kinds of uh, variants, it sounds like you know, there's the more extreme, no animal, nothing ever in anything I ever touch. What would you say is more of kind of a regular person who wants to do something, but isn't ready to necessarily get that? I was going to say extreme, but I don't want to use that word. What you're talking about is more just a complete, I guess would be a better term. um, Abstinence. Yeah. So I would just say to, cause this is a journey. So, and it's also an awakening when you be, when you get into this and as you start to get deeper in the journey, your eyes open, you become more aware of the lies you've been told, what you've been taught in school, everything starts to like fall apart in a sense, because you're like, Whoa, I don't need meat animal's body for protein, I can actually get it from broccoli. 
They didn't teach me this. Oh, you mean the public schools are funded by the meat and dairy industry? Oh, you mean to tell me that this is, and so it's a complete level of awakening. So I always tell people to ease into it, walk your way into it, start off with one meal. Just start off with one meal. And you, because usually if you deep dive into it before your heart changes, you will usually, you know, you might fall off. You might be like, this is crazy. Because most people have, like, when I went vegetarian, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't go to a website. I didn't read a book. I didn't know, you know, I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time. There weren't, I didn't even know another pescatarian the entire time that I lived there, let alone a vegan or a vegetarian. I was weird to my friends. And so I had to just figure this thing out on my own. And I'm still fumbling around in this thing and not knowing what the heck I'm doing. (laughs) But um, I tell people to ease into it because it is a journey on every journey. You walk your own path and you may stumble. You may fall. It's nobody's business. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to be hard on yourself. You don't have to be like, oh, my, I, I messed up. You just keep going. That's part. If you if you don't mess up, it's, to me, you need to mess up. You, you should mess up. Like, it's, it's part of how you perfect it. Because, you know, even when I decided and I was like, okay, I'm done. I have made mistakes not reading labels and making assumptions like, oh, this is vegan. And then I eat a ton of it and I'm eating it for a while. Then I, next day I'm like, oh, God, it had this in it the entire time, you know. Yeah. But it's like I'm not about to sit up there and write a Dear John letter to everybody and say, oh, my God, guys, I just did this. It's nobody's business, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> it's so I just want that's the main thing is for people to be gentle with themselves on the journey and to YouTube is probably one of the best resources because you can watch people make things that you like. Like, I think there's only been one thing that I've not had that I want desperately um, that I loved as a non-vegan, which is uh, shrimp egg foo young. I'm like, I need that in a vegan. <laughs> I need that in, in vegan. <laughs> but everything else I've been able to completely duplicate or purchase or find it on YouTube. So the journey is a little, as far as like the food, it can be a lot easier, but we make it difficult because this is a whole new lifestyle. This is, people think that they're giving up stuff, but you really are gaining. And I'm not saying that to sound cute or like, you know, make the movement sound attractive. The the variety of foods that you get to eat as a vegan is way more exciting than your typical chicken and broccoli steak and potatoes, like, you know, spaghetti and this, like the same type of meals that you make over and over and over. And not to mention, if you are spiritual or you are religious, you have to realize that that animal did not just die in its sleep. That animal left this planet in stress and fear, basically a a real live horror show. And I believe that that is still in the tissues of the meat and you know through the through the blood the adrenaline um and the fear not judging but i am judging but i used to love liver and rice uh, was one of my favorite meals uh gizzards turkey necks backs we eat their breast it it sounds 
really creepy (laughs) when you really think about how we consume, but we're so indoctrinated from the time that we're, you know, alive and think about a baby, you know, when they're like probably one or two years old, they're given the same type of food, you know? And so I don't even know if I answered the question. I I told you I get off (laughs) and go start. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's all good. So what I'm hearing is what you don't do, but tell me what you do eat. Okay. So like with the vegetarians, which is what I was for like eight years, longer than I've been vegan at this point. So if you're vegetarian, um, you still abstain from the flesh. So you abstain from the meat, but the, the, the dairy, the cheese, the eggs, the milk are, are still consumed by vegetarians. So that's the way that I went. And also part of it was pescatarian, which is when you, you're vegetarian and you consume fish. So that oh, is, okay. yeah. So it's like you're vegetarian and you consume fish. That's pescatarian. So that was kind of I've never like heard the, that word before. Oh, really? Okay. Pescatarian. Yeah. Yeah. Pescatarian. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. They consume, yeah. they consume fish, but no other animal. And so that was kind of the route that I went into because I really, really did enjoy, um, you know, seafood. And so that's the route that I went. And then I kind of went vegetarian and then I eased, you know, fell into like veganism in a sense. So like last night I was going through my fridge and I'm like, okay, I saw that I had a whole head of cauliflower that I hadn't touched. And I'm like, it's getting ready to go bad. So I'm like, what can I make? And I had a bunch of sweet potatoes. And I remember seeing a recipe for a cauliflower um, curry. And I'm like, you know what? This sounds weird, but I'm going to put together the sweet potatoes and the cauliflower mushrooms and make a curry. Unfortunately, the mushrooms had already gone bad. So just me, the cauliflower and the uh, sweet potatoes. And I sauteed them and then put some coconut milk in there and some curry and stirred it up and put some garlic and some onions and season it really good. And that's why I told you I woke up late because I, I had a big plate before I went to bed. <laughs> and it was you so good. You had a little Cauli- cauliflower party, huh? Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> and if you deep fry cauliflower, they give you a, a reminiscence of like chicken wings because the breading is so crispy and the flavor. Yeah. So there's so many amazing things. And, you know, mushrooms can take the place of the texture of meat. Um, especially, um, oyster mushrooms, even if you, like, if you deep fry them or bake them, it really has a very similar texture as meat. There's products that I use now, like that, you know, if I really want the, the meat texture, and I want to be clear, just because you're vegan doesn't mean that you don't still crave the animal flesh products or the animal flesh. It just means that you just didn't want to be a part of the suffering, but it doesn't mean you're above still having the craving because people say, oh, you're vegan, but you're eating food that looks like animals. It's like, so what? We're just still not eating the animals. But yeah, we've been raised like this our whole lives. So some of us still have these cravings. So like I have some uh, Beyond Meat bratwurst. I don't care if you just ate a steak five minutes ago. This stuff tastes like it will fool you. It is really, really, really amazing. So yeah, there's so many creative things that you can do with like vegetables that I never, growing up, I, I lived in the food desert. So right, like literally probably a thousand feet away from my house and across the street, we had a convenience store. And so I would, 
that was like most of my food most of the time. Or I would yeah. go to a chicken wing place and get chicken wings and fries and sauce. So I'm surprised I even still am alive with the type of foods that I consume growing up. Those Hungry Jack frozen meals. Remember those with the yeah little piece of chicken in one? potatoes, uh, mashed potatoes in the other, which would sometimes still be frozen when you're done. <laughs> Corn and then a little brownie <clears throat> or a little mm, applesauce. Eating those things, I, I grew up off of that stuff. You know, my mom worked a lot and she did cook, but sometimes I had to do it for myself. So, um, so yeah, these there, there's so much more variety that you can have as a vegan and I never get bored. Hey, wonderful listeners, this is Kim breaking in for just a moment to ask for your support. If you enjoy the podcasts that you're hearing here at Reconstruction.us, we would really appreciate it if you could help us out with just a couple of simple steps. One, of course, is to like and subscribe. You can even rate this podcast on your favorite listening platform, whether it be iHeartRadio, iTunes, Amazon, etc. The other thing is check out our website, re-construction.us. There you'll find stories and essays by myself and others who are committed to making real change. If you like what you're seeing there, you can also sign up for a newsletter, which comes out weekly and updates you on all of the latest offerings. Thank you so much, and let's get back to our discussion with Gwenna Hunter. So in Los Angeles, we have a vegan Italian restaurant. From my understanding, it's the world's first. It's called Pura Vida, and there's so many different varieties of like all of your traditional vegan foods, your spaghetti, your lasagna, your bruschetta, they have vegan Italian wines. And yes, alcohol has to be vegan because most of the time it is not because of the filtering process. But yeah, so my point is that whatever you grew up off of, even if you can't afford to go to a restaurant and buy it, because I can all the time, it's a, it's a nice little rare treat, but you can duplicate these things at home. I found a recipe for a pesto vegan lasagna that looked amazing and it just had a few ingredients and it was, you know, supposedly done in less than 40 minutes. So I tell everybody being vegan opens up your world. It changes your whole life. Yeah. So it's, wow, it's not fascinating. A yeah. Fascinating. Gosh, I'm you've you've just and now I'm like full of about a hundred different questions. You know, one thing I think is really important to ask you though, and I keep thinking about it, especially since we got to talking about, you know, the food we grew up with. Well, I actually had to do a lot of cooking myself because my mom was working. But we were lucky because growing up here in Minnesota, this is beef territory, right? Beef and corn mm. orama. And so it was cheap. And uh, I can literally remember my mom buying steaks for a buck a piece, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not like that anymore, of course. But back then, it wasn't that difficult. But I didn't know much of anything about fresh vegetables until I moved to California. And I joke with my friends because, uh, I mean, not literally, but almost. I, I seriously thought that spinach always came in a frozen square. You know, like I had no idea uh, because that's what my mom bought. You know, we ate a lot of canned vegetables. We ate a lot mm -hmm. of um, 
iceberg lettuce was the only kind of lettuce I'd ever heard of. I mean, I, I just was clueless. You know, I was raised yes. very much with that traditional Minnesota meat and potatoes kind of diet. And so, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot is if you aren't in an area where you've got a farmer's market mm-hmm. around the corner, or frankly, you just straight up cannot afford to spend an extra $10 or $20 every week at Whole Foods. How do you suggest that people go about getting the kind of whole nutrition, you know, the the real veggies, the fresh veggies, the sounds like grains and, and starches are, must be a pretty important part of your diet too? Yeah. So, and this is something over the past like year and a half, I've gotten more into because when I started off as a vegan, I was 100% a, um, people don't like use the term junk food, but I'm using it because that's what I grew up off, off of using that word. But I was a total vegan junk food person. Like I bought all the processed stuff, all the sweets, all the fun food. And, you know, even as a vegan, I put on some pounds. So it's like, you know, (laughs) it's not your typical slender, you know, vegan or whatever that is. That's a whole other topic. Um, Oh, but you know what? I'm so glad to hear you say that because I can remember uh, having some roommates when I was a kid. And this is way back. I mean, this is like in the (laughs) 70s. But I remember being absolutely shocked because we had some roommates who were vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And uh, the woman in particular used to regularly grab a box of instant potatoes. And I was stunned, you know, because <laughs> I had no idea that vegetarian didn't necessarily mean you weren't eating like at all your whole foods from a co-op. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So that's really, that's really good. That's really honest. I appreciate that. So yeah, yeah I could not eat meat and still eat a lot of crap. Right. Right. But if I'm going to eat, if I'm going to look at this as a way to heal my own body, as well as healing the planet in terms of, you know, what happens to animals. And I want to talk a little bit about climate as well. How do you suggest people go about getting that those healthier food sources? So let me tell you, there was a point in time I was still, I was going vegan, but I was like, or I was trying to, I was thinking about doing vegan, but I was vegetarian and I had eliminated eggs, but I was still doing like cheese. And I was going through a very, very hard time. I just got here in LA and had some really dramatic things I experienced. So I was literally living off of um, an EBT card and there would be times where I would have like, you know, $10 left for the week to eat off of. And so when your your back is up against the wall like that, you can you think of things really you you become creative. And so for me, I would do things like go to the ninety nine cent store, and you can do these things at like a Aldi's. You know, your local grocery store usually has like sections that have things that are like really really cheap. And I would go and get like you know a few avocados that were like a dollar. Get some rice. Grab a pack of mushrooms and a some pita, a pack of pita bread. And uh-huh. that would sustain me. But if you're not on the struggle, you just are maybe just on a tight budget and you want to heal yourself, but you don't want to spend a ton of money. A whole food plant-based diet is way more affordable 
than the you'll find it's more affordable than the diet that you just left. So things like rice, lentils, you know, something I didn't really eat growing up or even eat as an adult. And I'm like, what the heck is a lentil? What the heck is quinoa? I had never even heard the word quinoa until I became okay. vegan. Nobody else has until the last five years, <laughs> maybe 10 years. <laughs> okay. Cause I'm like, what I'm the joking. Heck is, I'm joking. Like quinoa, yeah. quinoa. What is this? <laughs> right. Right. No quinoa. I know exactly what you're saying. What? <laughs> um, which is something you get a bag of that. You can, that bag will expand you get it wet. That thing will last for years That's so and it's true. really good. So putting together whole food, eating mushrooms and, um, you know, consuming grains and things like that. And there's so many online resources available now. It's ridiculous. You can just type in, you know, what is a whole food plant-based diet and you'll have a total list of things. You have free list of how you should eat, how you can eat. There's YouTube videos that will teach you and show you. People will say, this is what I eat in a day. So if you type in, you know, what a vegan eats in a day, you'll find different types of uh, people that are on different types of vegan diets. And they literally will make the food and show you, this is what I ate for breakfast, a smoothie, a pack of bananas and some almond milk and, you know, maybe some protein powder or another fruit. It could just be the fruit itself will will get you through. And uh-huh. it's delicious. It's like having a milkshake, but without all the different drama that goes along with the, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, vegan milkshake. So that's it can awesome. Be, yeah. It's really, it's, it can be a really, it is a really fun diet. And sometimes when I'm going out and I'm like, you know what, this Friday I'm treating myself. I get so excited. I'm like, okay, am I going to do soul food? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do Italian? Am I going to, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's really exciting. So it sounds like it's really not a matter of restricting as much as it is a matter of essentially substitution or making different choices. But still, you know, it doesn't take all the fun out of food, so to speak. No, it doesn't because I I wouldn't have been able, I don't know if I'd have been able to do it. Food is a really, really important thing for me. It is for everybody. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I it, yeah. I think it is, you know, I've seen some of us more things, than others, but for sure, yeah. everybody, it's one of the pleasures of life, right? Yeah, exactly. And I've yeah. seen people say, oh, you shouldn't be eating for pleasure. Screw you. I'm eating <laughs> for pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I think there's definitely a balance there. But I, I appreciate what you're saying, though, in terms of the cost, because particularly now, I mean, I, hey, I'm very careful about my budget yes. and boy, watching the food prices climb is scary. And there's no question that the cost of meat is climbing really yes. fast. Yes, um, it is. And the other thing I just want to mention is that, you know, there are definitely some food things that even if you're in a condo or an apartment are super easy to grow, like uh, kale is insane how quickly it grows and yes. how much and easy it is to grow. You know, things like that. I mean, as African Americans, you know, it's hard these days or any time in history that I know of to not know about greens, right? Kale is just another green. And, um, you know, that's what we've survived on for centuries uh, yes. because, you know, it was the stuff that we could get for free. 
And I feel like it's incredibly important for people to understand that it only takes three days for the grocery shelves to be empty in the United States. In If you look at what's happened mm-hmm. during COVID um, with the pandemic, you know, the way that people went crazy stocking up on toilet paper and you know, hand sanitizer and things like that. It's really important for folks to remember that keeping some beans and some grains on hand or whatever it is, you know, being able to grow yourself just a salad, maybe if it's even only you grow enough so that once a week you can get a whole salad out of it, you're probably saving your budget at least five bucks. Um, so I, I just wanted to make that plug because I think it's, it's the most common <laughs> argument that I hear yeah. about eating more healthfully. Yes. And, um, you know, I always remind folks, I was teaching a, a, a one person helping teach a class on um, financial money management. And, you know, when this issue would come up, I would just always say to folks, yeah, but how much do you spend when you take your family to McDonald's or to Burger King? Yes. Because when I go there, and I'm not going to lie, you know, if I'm not eating well, I'm camping out there too. But I can't get a meal for just one person for less than eight or nine dollars. I'm telling you. So if you translate that into how much am I going to spend for my family? I mean, eight, you can feed a family on eight dollars. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Especially if it's not with any meat. That's um, right. Which is one of the most expensive parts of the meal. Yes. And I, and I like to add something really quickly and for people to do their own research on this, but um, we're finding like articles, very credible sources are saying like meat that's being tested coming from Brazil, going to China, back and forth. They're now finding that these meats are now testing positive with COVID, which would make sense because you have these workers that are close, not only in like slaughterhouses, but in these uh, meat packing companies. They're they're close together. There's no social distancing and there's droplets everywhere. And a lot of them have have passed away. You've had USDA uh, floor inspectors that have uh, passed away from COVID. So this is the best time, if any, to abstain, you know, even if it's just temporary, to just watch your meat consumption. Okay. Well, that is really important to know. Um, I think uh, we are starting to get kind of short on time. So let's talk some more. It does go fast, doesn't it? I know. (laughs) It's always shocking. Uh, But hey, I want to make sure that folks have a chance to learn about your organization as well and the work that you're doing with Vegan Outreach. So as I understand, it was started in 1993. Is that right? Correct. And I just want to be clear because there may have been something crossed. So vegan outreach is not, I am not the founder of vegan outreach. Jack Norris is the founder of vegan outreach and he founded it to end the violence against all animals. So he started back in 1993 by just doing like passing out booklets and leaflets and things like that. I have two separate um, communities. One is Vegans of LA 
And then the other one is Vegans for Black Lives Matter. So tell us a little bit then about the work uh, that you're doing as outreach person with Vegan Outreach. And I'd love to hear about your own organizations as well. We work with, so I'm responsible for Los Angeles. And so um, I work with Black Women for Wellness, um, a nonprofit organization, and also Black Lives Matter. And so we provide, it's not necessarily a pantry. We actually bring the food to them. And we, before they pick up, come and pick up their food, we literally have a, a big van that comes and drops off all the produce in its raw form in boxes. And we have volunteers come and we pack their bags from scratch. And we sometimes have some dry goods as well. And then we also have a vegan hot food vendor that will come out and provide, you know, takeout for the people that arrive. So, and we're not being preachy or it, it's not, it doesn't come with, you have to do this in order to get this. It's unconditional. So it's kind of speaks for itself because we've been doing this now since I believe like the end of May, beginning, I'm sorry, the be- end of April, beginning of May. Think beginning of May we've been doing this, you know, the people will come back and they'll say, oh my God, I'm, I'm cooking now with less meat. Last week I didn't eat anything with any meat in it. I didn't know it could be so good. I'm, I'm trying all these different vegetables and because every week we keep some staples the same, but also we try a different vegetable. So like this week we're trying out bok choy. And so the program manager, Charity, she's going to create a recipe for them to use bok choy in a plant-based meal. The week before that, we did, um, we had cauliflower and we had um, organic corn. That's so awesome. she did some recipes. So yeah, every week we, we switch it up and put in some different vegetables that people may not, you know, really want to be bothered with. <laughs> <laughs> Normally anyway, own. right? Yeah, because I never touched cauliflower before I was vegan. I'm like, cauliflower is gross. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now oh, that's I funny. love cauliflower because I didn't know how to cook it. I just thought, right. it, yeah, it was mushy. <laughs> right, right. I totally understand. And then tell me about, there's something that I saw on the Vegan Outreach website, uh, like a mm-hmm. couple of challenges. I think one was a... 30-day challenge and one was a 10 weeks to vegan challenge. What are those? So the 10 weeks to vegan is something that we heavily promoted prior, like individually um, prior to COVID. That was part of like what we did when we would set up tables and go to different events. We would get people to sign up for the program. And basically it's called 10 weeks to vegan because it's a 10 week email series and then it completely stops for 10 weeks, what we do with people is we share recipes. There's a, a, a section that tells you about some of the most popular vegan food products in the supermarket. People don't know that there's, you know, plant-based mayonnaise. They don't know that there's mm. plant-based bacons and things like that. So we tell people some of the products that they can purchase in the supermarket. And then we also give like a fact about animal agriculture. We don't show anything graphic, but it's something that's factual about the environment and how it relates to animal agriculture. Um, And then just some encouragement. And along with that, there is a Facebook group that you're invited to where it's all newbies. So you can ask crazy questions about honey and not get attacked and 
You can say, oh, I did this this week, but I slipped the ace in me. So it's a very supportive environment where you're safe and telling your truth and what's going on in your journey without the fear. When I first got involved in this, I would be in some of these groups and people would want to share what was going on. They're like, oh, I don't understand why I can't have honey. And next thing you know, there's a thousand comments of people all yelling at the person. And it's just, you know, next thing you know, that person, they don't want to be in the group anymore because they can't even ask a question or, or right. share an honest part of their journey. So this allows you to learn and also be with people that are like-minded and be safe and protected. Fabulous. And what about the other two groups that you are, uh, that you started? Tell us a little bit about those. So uh, Vegans of LA is pretty much just a, it's an on, it's a Facebook community. It's also on Instagram as well. But I started that back in like uh, 2015, just to promote some meetups that I was doing because I wanted to meet people that were vegan, vegetarian, because I didn't really have, you know, any friends when I was out here. And I started noticing I'd create the meetups and, you know, it would have a nice, a nice attendance and I was making some friends with it. So I decided to create the Facebook group just to promote the meetup. And I started publishing like memes and articles and sharing what was going on. And um, one day I posted a video, a, a movie trailer for The Invisible Vegan, which is a black movie a black documentary about black vegans. And I went from like having 1500 followers to like 8,000 overnight. And wow. then the page started growing. I'm like, this is where they are. So I started just pretty much promoting a lot of black vegan culture. So vegans for black lives matter was started in June. It was kind of almost like a download. I didn't even want to have a group because <laughs> they require so much attention. It just kind of came as a divine thought. So I created the group and I'm like, ah, oh, maybe we'll get about, 150, maybe 250 at the most people that'll want to, will talk about things. And so I just kind of kept the group open and I woke up the next day and there were like 500 people in the group. And I'm like, what is this? And then the next day there were like a thousand. And so now we've become extremely strict because I'm like, I cannot handle that many people. <laughs> wow. So now there's just like about almost 4,300 people in the group. And um, we're, we wanted to be an allyship and where we talk about unity. And, and even it's also a place where we vent our sadness and our pain of just what's going on in the climate right now. And it's a very diverse group. So we have a lot of white people that are in the group that are just coming into the realization of racism that kind of didn't paid any attention before and denied it and that are now like, oh my God, I didn't know all this time it was happening. I didn't do anything about it. I never said anything. And so people are having this awakening to what's happening in the world. And then you have us as people of color that are just like still appalled and in shock. So we have all these different conversations that take place. And some, uh, I think recently we some of us like watch the documentary 13th and then we'll have like a discussion. So I'm trying to create things where we have like topics and we awesome. all share how we feel about things just so we can kind of like evolve and grow because it's, it's great to march and protest because that helps create change and puts pressure on the system, but you also have to work on yourself. Yeah. So it starts within. And so, um, you know, we're trying to do the inner work as well. Oh, fantastic. Well, going on. I just can't thank you enough. This is just phenomenal information. And I, I, I just want to say that, 
you know, even for folks that might not be interested or thinking about going vegan all the way, just to have a better understanding of the choices that might be available and the fact that it's possible to cut back and to actually eat healthier without spending a fortune. Also to be able to eat in a way that really supports all beings. And you've really brought a lot of awesome information to us in that regard. And, And I really thank you. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy having these type of conversations that kind of wakes me up. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I got to tell you, it wakes me up every time I do an interview. No kidding. It's so much fun. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. We thank you once again for joining us. And please don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast distributor, whether it be Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, etc. And also check out our website, re-construction.us. And you can sign up there for a newsletter, which will give you updates on essays, stories, and interviews from people from all walks of life who are committed to making real equitable change in our nation. Hope you have a great week and come back next week. Thank you.